Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. We are so spoilt for choice in relative podcasts to listen to. So the fact that you are choosing to listen to me on this podcast makes me so proud. And I just want to say thank you. And please remember to follow the subscribe button so you're notified of all new guests that we are so honoured to have on our show. Whilst you're listening, I just want to thank our proud partners over at Needy and Inclusion Crowd. We'll explain a little bit more about them later on in this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's guest. Thank you for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I'm your host, Leisha Holmes. And during this episode, we get really, really into the detail of what behaviours and traits make a successful recruiter very closely linked to sport elite sports people. We interview Christian Hughes, who's the CEO of My People, and he's also a podcast host of Building Great Teams, which is a podcast interviewing some of the greatest sporting teams that he's had the benefit of basically getting to know as a psychologist. Christian's experience, he started in recruitment, he became a psychologist, and his company now develops software specifically for the recruitment industry at assessing potential candidates versus the existing team fit. It's a really, really insightful episode, very high energy. And we talk around traits, behaviours, values, how you as our listener can really ensure that when you're recruiting for your companies, but also for yourselves, you're not getting it wrong and not hiring in a total bum to a business and blowing up a whole team. It's actually a really essential listen this in terms of actually retaining the best talent too. This isn't just about hiring or avoiding attrition. This is about retaining your best talent too. I promise you, you're going to love this episode. Christian's really, really valuable in terms of his knowledge. And I love the link with sports. We also talk a little bit about marriage as well. So just thought I'd throw that in there. So without further ado, let's jump in to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I'm really excited to welcome a fellow podcaster actually to our wonderful global community today. This is Christian Hughes and he is the CEO of My People and podcast host on Building Great Teams. Welcome to you today Christian, how are you? Thank you, amazing, delighted to be here, thank you. You're very welcome. Now, we I think we were connected via an actual real-life event in 2022 at the yeah. Expo in, in the NEC in Birmingham, which which I have to say was my first ever Recruitment Expo, and just huge hats off to the organisers, because I thought it was a fantastic event. It was really good, wasn't it? It was, it was sort of strange seeing people back in person. I think that was one of the first sort of events that I'd been to after COVID. I mean, it feels like one of those after moments where we keep saying after COVID and I'm sure somewhere in the next few years we'll stop saying that but it, it probably was the first moment of meeting humans again in real life for me. We have to contextualise it I mean I'm certainly one of those people that I'm a, probably a little bit inappropriate in environments like that because I'm a <laughs> so I'm just like because I feel like I know somebody on social media I'll just come up and go hi and give everybody a hug but it was it, it for that reason yes it was it had a really lovely vibe to it because I think people were just so happy to be around other people but actually from a content point of view from the caliber of people that were actually there and, and exhibitors like yourself I thought it was exceptional and it totally my expectation was genuinely blown out the water and I've I've told everybody that that they have to go 
to a recruitment expo. So I, I'm, it was really nice to, to get to know you guys. I think we, we stood and had a, a chat myself and Shannon had a chat with you, you your guys and, and yourself for, for quite a long time. So there will be plenty of people that will be wondering what's my people. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my background, I'm a psychologist. Uh, my starting point was in sport. Um, so I have a mixed experience. In fact, if if I'm honest, my first job was in recruitment. I wasn't particularly good at it. Uh, and I lasted about 12 months. Um, and then I had a, a passion for for people and, and the science of performance. So I was very lucky to get involved in sports. So I've worked with a, a, a range of some of Britain's greatest elite teams from GB Cycling to England Rugby to the British and Irish Lions. Um, Saracens rugby um, so yeah from all of that I, I, hopefully I've got a, a strong basis for understanding what constitutes performance and how you achieve um, and my people is uh, born out of that experience it's software for recruiters to help them match candidates to teams uh, the teams they're going to place the candidate into I don't know about anyone else but my my, my mind's just gone boom there's so many things we want to talk about first and foremost the the, the sort of symbiotic nature of sport and recruitment I think that's something that you know anyone that's sort of been successful in a sport whether that's a solo sport or whether that's a team-led sport and I know that you're particularly focused on teams generally speaking people that do sport are people that want to improve want to challenge themselves and be competitive with themselves so I mean I, I I've always been fascinated around the link between sport and, and recruitment but in terms of the psychology I'm a little bit jealous of you actually because I thought if I hadn't actually loved recruitment you know after my first year in recruitment maybe I'd have gone down that route as well so it's it's fascinating and and you know hopefully I can give a fairly honest appraisal of what a, a an elite athlete is like and some of the traits of an, an elite performer in that world and it, and it hopefully translates well into into the recruitment world but uh, there are certainly some psychopathic personalities in the uh sports world so I don't know whether that's what you meant where the recruiters are also psychopaths I don't know possibly no I was I was trying to focus on the positive definitely that's, <laughs> really good, that's a really good starting point actually so explain to me in your experience of sort of witnessing and supporting elite sporting teams what constitutes an elite sports person from a mindset behavioral point of view with that I guess part b of that how that then relates to recruitment the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd like the Recruiters Recruitment podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent. 
as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. So that it's probably a big answer. So I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, I was thinking earlier today about the different phases of analysing um, people on their journey to become elite athletes. And at, at different phases, we're looking for different things in, in terms of mindset. So I focused on three things to okay. share today. Um, first, when, when you think about um, a young person, and I'm thinking sort of 16, 17, 18 year olds, starting their performance career in in athletics, whether that's in cycling or or rugby, um, they're not going to have a lot of skills and experience. What we're looking at there is what is the aptitude to get better? So we tend to look at the most innate qualities you can think of um, around getting better, which are about purpose and curiosity. How interested are they in things? How curious are they to learn more? Do they have a strong focus uh, and a direction of travel? Whether that's right or wrong, what they want to achieve is almost immaterial. It's it's how much are they willing to sacrifice to get to that point? So it always comes back to purpose and curiosity at an absolute fundamental level. Um, and at the risk of bumming people out for two seconds, I also wanted to learn about people at the other end of the spectrum of having experiences non-elite, if you like, who were you know, de- depressed and suicidal. So I was involved in a suicidal clinic for, for seven years. And what I was staggered working with over sort of 100 odd people was those two factors are true at the other end of the spectrum. You know, people who have lost their purpose and are not curious anymore, quite often it leads to depression. So I'd argue they are some of the most fundamental qualities um, to get to become elite. Next stage up, you know, once you start to um, start to achieve, start to become better, conscientiousness um, in every psychological profile, we're looking for an absolute burning desire to get better. Um, and that can take many forms and it can be destructive if it's not managed where you're looking at yourself continuously thinking, how do I get better? How do I do this? You can't get better in everything at the same time, but if you've got that underlying mindset, you're likely to get better. And then the final bit to, to close off and hopefully answer as succinctly as possible is perhaps the least understood area, which is competition mindset versus cooperation mindset. Now, we tend to think of individual performance in competitive terms. And I, you'll know better than me, but I warrant most of the recruiters that you know and work with are highly competitive. And it's certainly true in athletes. Now, we would say that that, is, that gets you about 90% of the way. But the, the final bit is about cooperation and how well you can utilize your relationships around you. And an exercise we used to do with athletes was map all of the relationships that are critical to you delivering your performance. And there'd be 20 on there. There might be, you know, strengths and conditioning coach, your manager, um, I don't know, your friends and family might be critical. And then we'd say grade them out of 10 as to how strong your relationships are with each of those, each of those people. And then finally, we'd say, if you've got anything less than an eight, you are not maximizing that relationship to develop your performance. And your relationship is like the oil that enables your performance. So cooperation is almost the final five to 10% of thinking about how am I working with those around me? How do I enable them to get better and myself to get better? And that's sort of the halo mindset. 
Wow, I love all that. I have actually, I was scribbling away because I don't want to forget anything that you've said because I have got a bit of a perimenopause of brain work sometimes. And I do, because I want to really pick up on it all. I want to go back to all those points actually because when people have asked me over the years, what are the traits that make a successful recruiter if we lead it back to recruitment? Um, for years, the word curiosity never got talked about. And if I think about some of the best recruiters that I've ever placed or worked with, and I am going to put myself in there because I, I became a top performer within my first recruitment job. It was the level of curiosity. I, I was never satisfied <laughs> with what I needed to know. I couldn't find out quick enough. I couldn't find out enough, whether that was from my candidates, my clients, from my leaders. I had this voracious appetite. And I think that if you look at the best performers in any market, in any in any job, you know, whether it's, you know, singers, whether it's songwriters, whether it, whoever it might be, they are the most curious people. But I think it's combined with purpose. And I think it's understanding what, it, and, it, and a lot of young people don't. I mean, I'm a mum to, to two young people. Do they really understand what that purpose is? So they might need that sense of direction to, to understand that. And I think, you know, conscientiousness I remember my first MD saying to me you know you just need, you almost need to you almost feel like you need to know it all right now in your first six months but it's going to take you about two years to understand what you really need to know so I think it's but I've never forgotten that and it's that level of accountability you know I think it's empowering that person to feel accountable um, and I think that's really interesting about that sort of 80 percent com competitiveness 20 percent cooperation because without that 20 percent you're just a lone wolf. And there are exactly. plenty of those rattling around recruitment companies, billing in obscene amounts of money with leaders going, I don't know what to do with them because they're an absolute arsehole. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that. There's a wonderful study that I think um, is well worth a read up about super chickens. Have you heard of this before? No. Uh, it's it's um, a study by a guy called William Muir and he was looking at measuring productivity and he was using chickens. And so, because they lay an egg, so you've got an obvious output. And he said, right, right I'm gonna, chickens don't live as long as humans. So we can, we can measure chickens over a few lifetimes. And he said, I wanna form a group called super chickens. So he went to a bunch of chickens. I mean, I, I don't know how you go to a bunch of chickens, but let's, let's just use that phraseology. And he's, he picked out the top performers of the, of the chickens. So most of the chickens were laying an average amount of eggs, but three or four were really high performers. So he picked them up and he said, right, they're gonna be my super chickens. They're gonna breed together and they're gonna lay more eggs than any, anything else. And over about six generations of chickens' lives comes back. And what's happened? The average chicken, chicken laying egg performers have started to lay more eggs. But the other group, the super chickens, have pecked each other to dead, death. Um, and there's only one left because they have competed against each other was the, the idea. And so his his concept was you can have an individual high performer, but they could be suppressing the performance of everybody else. You know, they're hiding CVs. They're not communicating with anyone else. They're just about their own money situation. They're not thinking about anyone else and they're pissing everyone else off. Oh my god, I love that analogy. I just like to say, um, and I think I knew that would be the outcome. I wasn't sure they'd all be dead, <laughs> apart from the one. But I think it, I would like to think that recruitment has moved on and has evolved and has matured. That we don't house these super chickens in inverted commas. But actually, I think the reality is is very different, particularly in certain sectors that are more synonymous with the higher GP margins, such as tech and construction. Um, and we do hear, unfortunately, the testimonies of that happening. So 
that's really interesting that there has actually been a, a sort of scientific study on that because I think I would much rather have an industry where we are all collaborating together and cooperating to create us all being great performers because that then has it has a cascade effect on everybody else I think that's I think we might have to call this episode the super chicken episode or something <laughs> well it's it's interesting you yes because you see all over LinkedIn you know the one million pound biller mm. type um ideology if you like and and it sort of relates to to when we talk about hiring and the emphasis in a, in a hiring process what we put our emphasis on we tend to put such an emphasis on you know, achieving and therefore the emphasis in an interview is often on can they do the job and yeah. we put almost zero emphasis on how do they do the job yeah. you know you could take two people and they may well get to marginally different you know billing numbers in a year but it might not be that different but they'll do the job so differently it has an impact on everyone else differently and it's actually quite important how someone does a job Mm, no definitely well that leads very nicely doesn't it in terms of what you do so just explain a little bit about what my people actually does because obviously you have developed software to enable decision makers to pick out those top performers to hire into their business so how does that how how would that work in day-to-day so if I was hiring into my business how would that work yeah in order to answer that question I probably need just 30 seconds to explain where it comes from because I think um, it was a major breakthrough in in our sporting teams that we were working with at the time uh, especially say GB cycling whereby um, the prediction of whether an athlete was likely to medal at a future Olympics was typically wrong we never seemed to get athletes meddling we'd pick you know the the best of the best physically at 16 17 years of age these riders and nothing happened and we couldn't figure out why and the big breakthrough which latterly became known as the marginal gains approach was what's the environment in which they need to perform and are we measuring the environment are we measuring how they're going to do the job um and that was a that was the start of a measuring not just the athlete but the environment and so relating that to my people yeah. And thinking about an interview process, the, the analogy there is about skills and experience. You know, when we're going through a recruitment process, we put all our emphasis on the skills and experience assessment side and nearly none on how they're going to fit into the team they're going into, because that you know relates to attrition and that relates to uh, the performance of that team. And also, how are they going to do the job? Am I putting in a, an absolute top biller sales director who is going to piss everybody off? Or am I putting in someone who'll will balance out the team. That's a major piece of information that's missing. And Quickly, so it does that in three minutes. Wow. I mean, it really does. I mean, that literally is our job. It's to ensure that we are not putting an absolute arsewipe into our clients or ourselves. It's true. And it's easy to do because an interview is like the, if it's, I I probably should draw a distinction here for recruiters who are recruiting every day and doing interviews, you're probably pretty good at interviewing for a hiring manager who probably does this once, twice a year, they're probably pretty awful at it. So when you think about what we've just set up, you know, we might have the best candidate in the world. We put them in front of a hiring manager, but the hiring manager doesn't know. They'll say things like, well, I don't know whether they're the right fit, or I don't think they're going to get on with so-and-so but it's it's all guesswork and so that interview format is is not helpful what we need is proper information to influence that and actually we need to contextualize the scene that most most sectors and disciplines wherever you're listening whether you're listening in the uk us i think we're probably despite the fact that there have been unfortunately a lot of redundancies during 2023 we are still in a talent short and talent deficit particularly in stem but also in recruitment There's, there's plenty of there's a generational gap basically so if you are putting yourself in the mind of that hiring manager who probably sits there thinking oh my god we really need that developer we really need that 
that person, um, I'm just going to overlook the fact that my gut's telling me they're not right. But actually what you're doing is saying, forget your gut. We are going to do, we're going to prove to you whether they're the right fit. And it's not just about fit, it's about adding value then to the team as well, isn't it? Exactly right. So you, from, from this is sort of taking, I think, recruitment up a level. Typical assessment tools are a little bit binary. They're, they're an extra layer to the recruitment process. And they're always done at the back end of the process, almost to justify a decision. So they're not really doing anything of value. Whereas what I, I'd say here is we're having a consultative relationship with our client where we're not just talking about a body. We're talking about how are they going to fit in the team? Let's discuss that. And the way we set the system up is there's no right or wrong in absolute terms. It's more about the recruiter having that information to assess are they likely to fit this is the candidate likely to fit into the team and what they're going to bring yeah so that's what our product does in in three minutes yeah and it's and i think you know if, we, if we're here to enhance our industry that's why what you that's why you're listening right now you're listening because you're a recruiter or you're a leader or you're an aspiring leader and you want to do better you want to be the best that you can be we've got to stop going on sort of just you know a punt putting somebody in actually what you do see a lot is they've worked for abc company direct competitor to def we'll just slot them straight in and and that's where and it isn't just about attrition by the way or hiring it's about retention of the right people in your business too and i think that's going to be possibly the biggest headache for any employer or hiring manager for the foreseeable is retaining your best people Definitely. I mean, as a very general statement, 2022 has probably been a brilliant year for most recruiters in most industries. The um, debt, if you like, that's come off the back of that year, though, is one of potential attrition in that we're placing people into roles where the client has probably just gone, eh, well, if they don't fit exactly, that's that's kind of fine. Well, yes, that doesn't matter right now because you need the skills and experience in the body sitting in your seat, but it will matter in six months or nine months. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if we go back to those sort of core behaviours that we talked about earlier on with purpose, curiosity, conscientiousness, um, we need to be looking at people that match up to those behaviours within the context of our business, of, of myself, whether it's your business or my business, that's, it's got, there's got to be an alignment there. Where does diversity and inclusion sit on this? Because, of course, I mean, we've partnered with Inclusion Crowd. They're one of our very proud partners on, this, on the podcast, which, you know, we want to educate. And the only way we can do that is bringing in specialists like them. So how does my people, how can we as recruiters ensure that the hiring process is fair, equitable and truly, truly living up to that diversity and inclusion promise? We are so proud to be partners of Needy the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI 
forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, a great question. And, and probably to answer that, I'm going to se- se- separate it into two. One, um, just to sort of talk a little bit about diversity um, and what we mean about that and what that means for a hiring manager, and then a little bit around how my people can help with that. Um, but I, I think it's a it's it's a very important HR agenda. Um, but when you hit the hiring manager, it's a very difficult conundrum. If you're doing an interview and your HR team has said, look, we need to, to build diversity, which is the right thing to do, not just because it's the right thing morally, but because it's also good for performance. You know, there's lots of research to suggest performance gets better when you have more diverse teams. But of course, the conundrum for a, a hiring manager is how do I assess that? And there's a secondary question, which I suppose is a bit scary for hiring managers. What is it? What am I talking about when I talk about diversity? Is that diversity of experience? Is that diversity of knowledge? Is that diversity of cognitive diversity? And and all of these things get thrown around on on social media. But of course, it's a bit of a scary topic, um, especially if you're a white male like me. Uh, So what I think is is clear in the academia and the research is that diversity uh, of knowledge and experience and skills is incredibly valuable. Teams perform better when they have a diverse mix of those skills and actually the 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 flip side of that equation is you're looking for people who share the same purpose you're looking for people who who an underpinning purpose is often values who share the same sort of values to to the wider group and i think that's possibly as best as i can think of it right now the most equitable way to do hiring and uh, the way my people is built is we're looking at people's values we're not looking at you know where they come from um that is not part of the process what we're talking about is how are they going to fit into a team what are they going to bring into the team and how's that sort of alignment of team which is about are we chasing after the same thing does it matter to me what matters to you and that becomes quite important because we're all trying to chase the same thing in a team and if i've got you know 20 people with totally differing views on these things it's just going to bubble up to the surface as conflict so I think what we're looking for is diversity of experience, skills, um, thinking, and probably alignment of purpose and values. So we go we go back to purpose right at the start of of what what we talked about earlier on. So I'm I'm just going to throw something in here. I mean, a lot of our audience are already leaders, and you do get some very stable businesses out there. Some those that have had people working with them for you know since the beginning of time. What's the value in them retrospectively, you know, incorporating your software or, you know, some kind of testing on these values to ensure that they are future proof? Yeah, really good question. Well, this this is um, one of the subjects of uh, our recent podcast with the Saracens Rugby Club, who won five premier premiership titles. They're one of the most successful rugby clubs of all time. And we were talking about um, values and organizational culture and Um, How do you know it's real? Because everybody has values on the door, right? Everyone has values as you walk into an office, or at least in the old days when we had offices. I've got mine tattooed on me. (laughs) You you won't be able to read it. It's in Hebrew, but it's integrity. (laughs) Integrity is one of my core values, and it's literally tattooed onto my wrist, so it runs through my veins, which I know is really cheesy, but I just did it. It had a bit of a midlife crisis. (laughs) I I love that. Uh, My Hebrew is rusty. Uh, I haven't... (laughs) <laughs> haven't studied Hebrew for some yeah um 
And I, and I think, well, where we fit in there within an organization is we're able to, again, do the same exercise through the software to map an organization's culture and understand how does that align to the values you have. Um, really, values is an active process where you're you're once you've established a framework of what, what an organization stands for, it's then looking for opportunities to to show that in the way you interact with other people. And the best analogy I have is in a in a relationship. You know, when you're married and you've, or you've been with someone for a long period of time, um, it's you may well have started with a similar set of values, but as you grow together, you've got to actively find ways to demonstrate those values. So if you're if it's important for you to be kind, for example, um, and you stop doing nice things for your partner, you're, you're probably not living your values. So I think the hardest bit is probably living the values rather than defining the values. And that's that's where organisational culture thrives. Well, it does. And actions speak louder than words. I always say that it's a really old fashioned thing. Yeah, true. So it is true. And I do like your analogy, actually. I think that's really um, that will resonate with people more than you coming out with something probably a bit more cerebral because it's true we can all feel that can't we yeah. and whether that's in a friendship or a or a relationship you know you have to sort of almost check yourself but I think it's really important because often that group of people who have got a very stable team they will drop in and listen to a podcast because they'll be interested in what's going on it's like well we don't need to improve we're, we're, we're okay as we are and it's like and then or to use your analogy all of a sudden you find out that your wife's having an affair because actually you haven't been kind and you haven't been looking after her and you haven't been making her feel special so I think don't don't be assumptive that just because you've got a very stable team that's been with you you know the stage state loyalty they're all performing well it doesn't mean that they haven't got their eye on something else and I think what Christian's saying there is actually really vital that you need to realign your values consistently because things change behaviors change absolutely one of the examples from from saracen i apologize i'm doing a bit too much sport here but i'll, I'll no, try and wrap up uh, was they were talking about the evolution of their culture that when the group first came together in i think it was 2010 they had a very raw culture they had a, you know a few things that they had focused on just one or two things and that that was them and it was very much about um it's a male rugby team so a brotherhood and living and dying for each other and putting effort in absolute to the max but once they'd won a few titles then they added humility into the mix and having difficult conversations so being honest so the values shifted a bit or got added to because of the fact they started to do well and that created a new set of problems for them now we've got a group of people just being nice to each other isn't enough we actually have to have some some tough conversations we've got people who are going to be retiring and there's transitions and we've got to be able to have those transitions in a way that's effective mm. and that meant you know adding to their values and being clear about what that meant no definitely I mean no you don't have to apologize because the you know I think the there's a real um attraction to a lot of our listeners of the sporting analogy and I think and, and the background you know a lot of our a lot of people listening will have you know and I've seen some very successful people come from sporting backgrounds you know ex-professional footballers and rugby players and swimmers and you know tennis players and I think that that it does lend itself very well but I, I just want to say as a caveat I was very not sporty so that you know we are not being discriminatory against people who are not sporty because I really very much wasn't sporty um but I was you know always in awe of people that were because you could see that they were people that just endeavored and were talented and that's what we want we want people to fulfill their true purpose and their true 
goal in life. That's what this is all about. But it's been really, it has been really insightful. And, you know, I'm just so pleased that you made it on. First of all, because, and I'm hoping by the time this goes out, the train strikes will have finished and the whole debacle that it's causing to commuters, but who knows? Um, we really appreciate you giving your time because I think it's been such an interesting podcast. I don't think we've ever talked about anything like this before. So I'm sure that people will be clicking to follow your podcast building great teams and also if they've got any interest at all in understanding how my people can benefit themselves and their clients we'll make sure that they get in touch and they mention the podcast to you so it's been really great thank you for joining us on the podcast thank you so much for having me on it's been lovely talking to you and lovely talking to you too